This was a few years ago. This wasn't back in 500 BC or 300 AD. This was a few years ago that God was still healing. I just want to tell you this morning that God is still in the healing business. Amen. He's looking for someone who will believe that he will. Now there are extenuating circumstances. Not every time God is going to heal. And we ought to you know, understand that. Not every time he's going to heal. But the fact still remains that he has the ability to heal nonetheless. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to where? To his heavenly kingdom. So, one thing that we should be concerned with and one thing that we should know is that not every single thing that we pray for is going to come to pass and not everything that we pray for is going to happen. Ultimately, what we want to focus our attention on is not reaping and getting everything that we can in this life. Because there's a promise of a heavenly kingdom that God has gone to prepare for us. And so we know as Christians that our hope is not just in God healing us here on this earth. It's not just in God providing for us financially on this earth. But there is a heavenly kingdom that awaits each and every believer. And that's where our hope is. There's so many things that me and my wife want in life and we, you know, plan, you know, with our son and, you know, so many things that we want to accomplish and so many things that we want to achieve. But ultimately, we understand that if we never gain these things in this life, that there is a life to come in heaven with God and that he's prepared some things there for us. Now, Oftentimes, you know, we'll pray for things and it don't happen and it seems like God really doesn't care, like he doesn't hear us. And it feels like this whole Christian journey is getting harder and harder. Every single time we pray, nothing happens, pray, nothing happens, and we keep on praying and we keep on praying. But I want to assure you today that God is concerned with your well-being. The scripture says that he knows even the very hairs on your head. He can number each and every one of them. Our second point says God is concerned with my soul. Touch yourself and say my soul. Touch yourself like you mean it. Say my soul. Because, you see, it's easy for me to preach and say these things up here, but in order for it to be real to you, you have to put certain things into action. So touch yourself again and say, God is concerned with my soul. God is concerned with my soul. Now, when you think of how many things that God has to tend to, stars and moons and galaxies and 
billions of other people. And you think to yourself that he still thinks about you to the point where he can number the hairs on your head? My wife don't know how many hairs I have. Neither does my mom or my father or my closest friends. But God does. He's concerned about your soul. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 to 20, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. That's concern. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Ultimately, what God wants for your soul is that it makes it into heaven. Don't rejoice over the fact that devils and all these things can't kill you. Rejoice over the fact that you're getting through these things and there's a place that's promised for you in heaven. And then that is ultimately where God wants you to reach and to arrive to live with him forevermore. See, oftentimes, whenever, you know, healings occur and miracles and all these things, you know, we have people, you know, they share their testimonies and, you know, we think how grandular these, you know, stories are and these miracles and we are like, oh, oh, she got healed and, oh, you know, God provided financially. See, the thing about all of these things that God does and what I've learned is that the story is not about the healing It's not about the miracles. But the story is about the healer and the giver of miracles. Ultimately, God heals so that you can find him. Miracles are performed so that you can see the one who is performing those miracles. Ultimately, God wants to point us to him, to grow in him, to increase in our faith. When miracles happen and things happen in our life, it's not just for that moment, but there's something that God is doing in you and in us that he wants us to grow. God wants me and you to grow in faith. Amen? God wants me and you to grow in faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, faith is not just merely believing in God, because even demons and devils believe in him and they know his power. But faith is trusting God with your life, with every single thing that you are and every single thing that you own. Knowing that he cares for your soul. See, in a relationship, anybody who is married for a few years, they will tell you that the trust at the point where it is right now, It's not where it started. That there had to be some tough times and some tough things happening that caused them to grow in that relationship. 
and not ultimately, not, not only grow in that relationship, but grow in trust for each other. I trust my wife more today than I did on our wedding day. That's a fact. That's because I've seen who she is. I've seen what she can do. And it's the very same thing with God. The more that you put your trust in him and the more you see him work in your life, it's the more that you not only grow to love him, but it's also the more you grow to trust him. Faith. Amen. See, I've realized that faith is easy, oh, so easy, when there is a probable outcome. When you can see a way out, it's easy to trust God. For instance, if you're going through, let's say, some financial difficulty, and you are you know, going to work, and you know, you know that you're getting the paycheck at the end of the week or at the end of the month, it's easy to trust that God will cause the rent or the mortgage or whatever bills to pay because you're already, you have already calculated how it's going to be paid. You have already thought to your mind, well, you know, I can get some money from here. I can get some money from there. I can borrow some money from that person. No, what I'm saying is not that, hey, you know, don't go to work. And just trust that God will pay the mortgage. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that there are certain times that God causes us to go through some circumstances and some situations where no one or nothing can get us out. Except him. And that's the point where we need faith. Where we have to trust him because there's absolutely no one else that we can turn to in such a time as this. And that's the point where God wants to bring us. He wants to bring us to the point where every single thing in our lives is dependent on him and him alone. Even the very job that you have, going to work each morning is dependent on God because you cannot breathe without him. You cannot think without him. You cannot live without God. Everything and everyone exists because of him and because of him only. You are able to do what you can because he allows you. Don't be fooled. You have abilities and you have talents and you have gifts and all these things, but all of that comes from God. In any moment, in any minute, things can strip away. But God always remains. Amen. So we're talking about the impossibility here. And when I was preparing this text, I thought about the scripture, Daniel chapter 3, that talks about the three Hebrew boys. Anybody remember that story? Three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not their original names, but that's what they were given. And the Bible says that they were in a land where King Nebuchadnezzar, and the Bible called him the king of kings. He was the king of all the kings of all the other nations. All the kings will bow down to this king, King Nebuchadnezzar. He was that powerful. And the Bible says that he created this massive statue for everyone to worship and bow down and worship it. 
when the music plays, he commanded every single soul, man, boy, woman, girl, did I miss one? Everybody should bow down and worship this thing. But then there were these three Hebrew boys who said, no, we're not going to worship him, this, this, this statue. We're not going to worship it. We already have a God. And so his officials reported them to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, really? There are some people here who are defying my orders. Bring them in front of me. I want to see for my, myself. I want to see with my own eyes. So they brought, he brought these three boys in front of him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, I could just see him. Play the music. Play the music. Let's see what happened. Play the music. And the, music, the Bible says that the music is played. And these three boys, they stood there. They did not bow. So, fitting enough, he decided to punish them. Not just punish them, but kill them. He said that we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. But not only are we going to throw you in there, but we're going to raise up the heat ten times hotter. And the Bible says that the heat was so high that even the guys who were bringing them to the furnace to throw them in, they were engulfed with the flames and they died. But what is interesting in this story is how these boys responded to him. They said, you can throw us in the furnace. You can throw us in the fire. You can do whatever you want to do. Just know that our God is able to deliver us. But not only that, watch this. Even if he doesn't deliver us. Now that's faith. Even if he doesn't deliver us, just know that we're never going to bow down to your statue. See, the thing that I've learned is how faith works is not just believing that something can happen and it will happen, but it's taking approach like it's going to happen. And that's the kind of faith that God is wanting from us. Because sometimes, you know, when things don't work out for us, we're so disappointed with God. And we say, well, God, you didn't show up for me. So I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read. And we're missing the point of what God is trying to do for us. He's not concerned about having you thrive on this earth ultimately. Ultimately, his goal is for you to find your way into the kingdom. Amen, somebody. So, making faith work as we continue. Faith begins with a word from God. That's the point where faith begins. Faith begins with a word from God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We gather here every Sunday to hear a word. We gather here every Sunday to hear a word to bring us through the week. And we come here to hear the word so that we can live better lives as Christians. Am I the only one who comes here on Sunday to hear a good word? Yeah, I know there are sometimes I'm so discouraged and I come in here and I'm like praying to God. I'm like, God, I hope the word is good today because I'm going through something and I, I really need to hear from you. To hear a word from God. 
First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishib in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. In this story, Elijah, he had gotten a word from God that there was going to be a drought. There's going to be no rain for a few years, for a very long time. And he got the word, he received the word from God, he believed the word, and he passed the word on. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is God speaking. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Anything that comes out of the word of God. Anything that's promised by God. It will not go back to him void, thus said the word. If God says that something will happen, it will. The Bible says he's not a man like you and I that he should lie. He has no business lying. And so no word will return to him void. Faith continues when you hold on to what he said. What God said. Faith continues when you hold on to what he said. Now, reading from 1 Kings chapter 18, 43 to 44. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So to understand in context what's going on in the story here, Elijah got the word that there was going to be a drought, that there was going to be no rain for a very long time. And there was a drought in the land. If you read the story, you'll see where he was being fed at the brook chariot. That everything had dried up, all the water had dried up. But God was feeding him with ravens. He was sending food. And now it was time for God to send the rain. And Elijah had gotten a word that there's going to be an abundance of rain. There's going to be a lot of rain. After all this drought, there's going to be a lot of rain. And so in anticipation for that, he sent his servant out and he says, go to the sea and look to see if you see any rain. Because I got the word. Remember, faith begins with a word from God. I got the word that there's going to be an abundance of rain. Go take a look to see if there is rain. He went the first time. There was no rain. Elijah told him, go back again. He goes back second time. No rain. Third time, no rain. Third time, fourth time, no rain. Fifth time, no rain. Sixth time, no rain. Remember, he was told that there is going to be an abundance of rain. But every single time he goes to the sea to look, there is no rain present. Now, what is God doing here? He told me that there was going to be an abundance of rain. What is going on? And the Bible says that a seventh time 
that he went. Before I get to that, understanding the point that we're on, that fate goes from a small, uh, that, that, that fate continues when you hold on to what he said. Elijah knew what God had told him. He told him that there was going to be an abundance of rain. So he sent him back seven times. Oftentimes for us Christians, we pray once about something and it doesn't happen and we give up on God for that situation. And then we try to figure things out ourselves. God is not looking for people who are just going to, you know, if he doesn't do something, you know, just give up. He's trying to grow you in him, grow you in faith, and for you to trust him. So even you might try, even though you might try something a few times, when God gives you a word that something will happen, keep on. Keep on going. Keep on going. Life Church started because Phil and Melanie got word to come down here from Illinois to help with the church. This church had already existed. There had you know, been people here and they needed a pastor and they came and God gave them a promise that you know, the church is going to grow. And for the people who have been here for a few years, you, know, you have seen things fluctuate up and down, up and down. Some people come, some people go. But I want to say for the people who have continued and stayed here because of the word that they believe in God, that holding on and trusting in God is not going to end up void for you. But there will be a reward. So the seventh time Elijah sent his servant. Now watch this. Don't want you to miss this point at all. He sent his servant the seventh time. After trying six times, no rain. He got the word. There was going to be rain. He went for six times. There was no rain. The seventh time he went. This is what the Bible um, says. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. A cloud. A cloud is rising from the sea. It might not be apparent at first, but where does the rain come from? The rain comes from the cloud, right? So there was no rain, but the servant said he saw a small cloud, not even a big cloud, not even thunderous clouds, no thunder, no lightning. He just said he he saw a small cloud. A small cloud. And that's all that it took, because watch what happens. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So now... Elijah is seeing that things are more probable because there is no a cloud forming. So he knows that the rain is on its way. He knows that something is happening. I just want to tell you that there are so many things, you know, that we have gone through, you know, as a church. And now in the fall, we're moving to two services, as I mentioned earlier. But I want to say to Life Church this morning that there is a cloud fall that 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 has that has set and there will be an abundance of rain there are certain things that we want to see that is that that god is is gonna 
may come to pass in this ministry. But he wants you to trust him at the point where you see the small cloud. Trust him that there's going to be a big rain. Amen. I remember a story, uh, Noah, everybody probably learned this in Sunday school, I did, where he got word that there was going to be rain. I think he was like 500 years old at the time uh, when he just had his three sons. And the Bible says that rain did not come until he was 600 years old. 600. That a flood did not come until he was 600. For a hundred years, he waited, waited, and waited, and there was no flood. Now, I can just see people who he might have told, like, God said there's going to be rain, and they're looking 20 years past, and 40, and 60, and 80, still no rain. And he says, I promise, God told me that there's going to be rain. Now, for a lot of people, for a lot of us, I know I would. You know, I would give up. I'd be like, well, I guess God's not sending the flood anymore. I might as well just, you know, break down this ark, this big ark that we have sitting out front that everybody is supposed to go in because I don't think the flood is coming anymore. But the Bible says that he trusted that God was still going to send the flood. And so he prepared like the flood was going to come tomorrow. And he waited, waited and waited until he was 600 years old. And that's when the flood came. I just want to encourage us today that there might be some of us who are, you know, serving in our various capacities and sometimes we might get discouraged and we might feel like God is not doing anything. You know, I'm serving at church and there's nothing happening for me in my own life and it just seems like things are going down. The more I give my time to God, the more I give my effort to God, it seems like nothing is happening. But I want to encourage you to continue because there is an abundance of rain that is coming in your life. It, not, it might not be in this life. Just to reiterate what I said earlier. But trusting that our eternal gift from God. Is going to be so grand and it's going to be so great. That it's nothing that we can imagine or some, nothing that we can expect. Just keep on keeping on and keep on holding on. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Always starts out small. It always starts out small. First Kings chapter 18, 45 to 46. Uh, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on Ahab, rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, I was reading the story, and uh, when it says the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Remember, he told Ahab to set up the chariot and go to Jezreel. I looked it up. It's about 20 miles or, or so from Mount Carmel, where they were coming from, to Jezreel. And you might not have noticed it because it's easy to miss, but I read it again, and it says, Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab, who was on the chariot on the horses. The power of God came upon him so mightily that he was able to outrun these chariots to Jezreel. I don't know. It blows my mind. I don't know if it blows yours, but 
I thought it was just interesting, a man outrunning a horse. But not getting off topic here, faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, for us it's hard whenever we are starting to do something, we're starting a ministry or we're you know, starting something in our lives. It doesn't seem like much at the beginning, but every great thing, not just in church, but even in a secular world, every great thing starts from a very small seed that someone planted. And so the prayers that you pray and the serving that you serve coming to church and Time after time, the giving that you give, I just want to encourage you that it's not in vain. It might not seem like much now. But I believe that there's coming a time when everything is going to be revealed to us. And it's going to be grand and it's going to be great. And we're going to see all along what God was doing whenever we were giving our offering, we were giving our tithes. We're serving faithfully. We will see the reward. And I believe that our minds will be just so blown that we can't even comprehend how God was able to do that. But one thing that we have to do is we have to stay the course and we have to endure the process. The process is hard. A lot of businesses, they start off, you know, they're so excited and, you know, they have this grand idea and they have the vision and they say, hey, you know, I'm going to put the money down. I'm going to make an investment here because I can see the vision right now. And the starting point is good because you're motivated to start. You're motivated whenever you, you know, just got saved as a Christian to live for God and, you know, to do his work. But then things get hard. And that's where a lot of people fall off. I've been in situations in my life where I doubted after giving my life to God, let me say, that I doubted whether or not God was real anymore. Because I was going through the process of life and things were taking a turn for the worse. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if God loves me, if he really cares about my soul, like the word says, then I shouldn't be going through these things. There's no way that Christians should be suffering. That's what I said to myself. I should not be going through these things as a child of God. I am royal priesthood. I'm a chosen man of God. I pay my tithes and my offerings. And I serve. There's no reason why I should be going through these things. But what I've realized is that going through these things... If I had not gone through them, it would not have brought me closer to God. Because it's in those hard times that I've learned to fast and pray and seek God and really, 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 really trust him. In times when I had no other way out, no one could help me, I couldn't find my way, and I had to rely on God. It's in the process that I found God, that I built my relationship with God and I trusted him. So I encourage you today, don't get discouraged in the process. It's easy to get discouraged in the process, but remember the promise because the finale 
is going to be great if you can just endure. With all these things that God promises us, you know, at the end of our life, and I'll invite the uh, worship team to come back. The main thing is that we have to trust God with our lives in every capacity, in our giving, in our speech, in our action, everything that we do, we ought to reflect, reflect God. The greatest miracle of all is not healing. It's not a great big body of water being parted for you to walk through. But the greatest miracle of all and the reason why we do what we do and the reason why we are Christians and the reason why we live is so that we can have eternal life with Christ after this life. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die. Every one of us if God doesn't come before, you know, we die, we will at some point die. I've had a lot of friends died growing up to the point where at one point I was so numb to death that each additional death was just kind of like, oh, okay. I was so numb. I lost friends in high school like nobody's business. You wouldn't believe if I tell you a lot of stories. Grew up in Jamaica for a, a lot of people who don't know. There's a lot of violence there and crime, especially uh, in Kingston where I'm from. A lot of friends who got shot down or drowned or got hit by a car or just all kinds of things. Seen a lot of death in church and family. But what gives me hope and what allows me to keep on going is the fact that eternal life is promised. It's a promise. Not from my mother or my father who have made promises and they have not come through, but from God, who the Bible says is not a man that he should lie. And he promised not just me, but each and every one of us has this promise as well. Eternal life with him. That's what you're living for. That's what I'm living for. Every single thing that I do in this life is meaningless if God is not in it. And so today, I want to encourage us. Well, at this time, I just ask everyone to stand with me. But I want to encourage our hearts that no matter where you are in your life, in your relationship with God, no matter where you are in your process, that you are never too far that God can't reach you no matter how far you've strayed away, and believe me, I have strayed. No matter how far away you go from God, one thing is that he's always trying to draw near to you. So even when you're going through the process, he's still there. 
all he's wanting you to do is just call on him. We're getting ready for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Well, just prayer this time around. We do prayer and fasting at the, at the start of the year. This time around, we only, we're starting 21 days of prayer. And during this time, what we are driving and what we're encouraging here is for you to go beyond your comfort. If you prayed five minutes, usually in the mornings, try 10. If you read one verse a day, try reading two. But we really want to focus our time on prayer with God. See, prayer is a mighty, very, very mighty tool. Very, very mighty tool. Because what it does is not only, not only does it bring your voice to the ears of God, but when we pray, God also responds and we hear from him. So today, what I'm going to ask is, uh, if you don't mind, Koi, come forward for a second here. Has anybody seen Yulin? Is Yulin around? I saw him earlier. Yulin, are you here? Do you mind coming forward, sir? Thank you. In this time, I asked Koi and Yulin to come forward because these guys are elders in our church. And from the earlier scripture that we read, it says, Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So Koi and Yulin, if you don't mind, just kind of standing here just for anyone who needs prayer about anything. Might not be a physical healing, might just be healing of your circumstance, your mind, whatever the situation is. The altar is open for you to come and get prayer from one of our elders here. And just trust God. We bow our heads right now. Lord, we thank you that you're here in this moment, God, and we thank you that you have spoken to our hearts, Lord God. And I pray, Jesus, that even as this word, Lord God, has come forth that we will not allow it to just pass through but we will really hear you and meditate upon your word this morning, this day, this week and for the rest of our lives knowing God that you care for us, you care for our souls you watch over us and the plans that you have for us They're great, they're spectacular, they're wonderful. And we trust God that even in our processes, that you're still God and that you still care. And even when we can't see, you're still there. I pray for each and every heart this morning, God. that they will draw closer to you in times of sorrow, in times of despair, in their situations, in their circumstances, oh God, that they will seek you. And I pray, oh God, that you will respond to them 
Help them to hear you and feel your presence. We thank you for who you are, God, and who you continue to be in our lives. And we just ask, oh God, that you just help us to see you more and more each day and to know you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name.